Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. We're honored to visit today with Leanna McIntyre. Leanne is the lead pastor of the Bridge Open Bible Church in Springfield, Oregon. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, the geography of Oregon, Springfield is right next door to Eugene. So, uh, Leanna, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we're, we're going to talk today about the subject of women senior pastors because, you know, you're not great in number. Um, there, aren't, <laughs> there, there aren't a lot of you. Uh, but God is using women pastors. So what we want to do today is learn about your journey. Now, uh, you were a part of the Bridge uh, Open Bible Church before you became lead pastor of it. What were your previous roles in the church before you transitioned to this one? Well, I have been part of the Bridge um, for 20 years. I've been a member of the church for 20 years. I started out working in children's ministry when my kids were little, and then I moved to being working with the youth. And then I moved to, so I, I, I've been worship pastor, I've been youth pastor, and I've been the children's pastor. <laughs> You've done the whole tour. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your predecessor as lead pastor was a man. Mm-hmm. So this obviously was a change for everyone, including you. So I'm curious to know, did, did did you aspire to become a lead pastor or was it something, you know, you had to be convinced or was it something you said, well, I submit to this? What, what was, you know, what was going on in your heart, you know, in making the transition and, and how did that take place? So I did not aspire to be the lead pastor. Uh, I have always been a support person. I wanted to help um move the the vision of the church forward and so how this came about was our previous pastor was getting ready to retire and i had um actually six six or seven years ago he he asked me once uh he asked me once if i was going to come up with a message to share with the church and i kind of laughed at him so um (laughs) this is how the (laughs) lord works (laughs) Um, but but God did start putting on my heart messages. And I noticed that looking back over my journals um, leading up to becoming pastor, um, I started putting stars next to things that the Lord was speaking to me for the church. Mm. And, and when I actually got to the place where our pastor was retiring, they encouraged him and his wife encouraged my husband and I he said, you know, I think that I think that you should move into this into this role. And, and so I, I had gone through Discover Ministry School and um, here in the Pacific region and was able to get my credentials that way. And I had already done that. And, and um, so all I had left to do was get my credentials, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, we prayed about it and really felt like that was what the Lord wanted us to do. And so I, I stepped out afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just how the Lord works. You know, he, that's he, right asks us to step out of our comfort zone. And now he here does. we are two years later. So he does do that. And I'm so glad that you stepped out of that comfort zone. So what I hear you saying is you did not aspire, but when you look back in retrospect, God was preparing you even with, he was downloading messages for you that you were starring for the church. So God was preparing you, wasn't he? 
absolutely, absolutely was preparing me. I remember the couple uh, months leading up to the pastoral transition, I just had this feeling in my heart that, that the Lord was just, it, it was as if he was just telling me on a regular basis, a change is coming, a change is coming, and, and it's going to be, it's going to drastically change your life. And, and I mean, in some senses, it drastically changed my life, but, um, but I, when I stepped into this role, I knew that, that the Lord had, had been telling me for a little bit then that that was where I was going. Beautiful. He had been prepping you and uh, been prepping you before you knew it, but then he began helping you to be aware of it. Absolutely. So, okay. So this is the transition that you went through. You have someone at your side who was going through this transition also with you, your husband, Scott. Talk to us first of all about, you know, what was, what has his role been in the church? You've been in the church, you know, for these 20 some years. What has he been doing in the church during that time? So Scott is a support person. He is my biggest, he's my best friend. He's, he's my biggest supporter. He walks alongside me. Uh, his practical roles in the church are, he is our church's drummer. He is in charge of sound and all of our technology stuff for the church and our website. Um, he's more of a behind the scenes. He prefers to support. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, he's been, I, I couldn't do it without him. <laughs> oh, I hear you. You know, Barbara and I, of course, had the privilege of having breakfast some time ago with you and Scott. And I sense that that the Scott is just so solidly, you know, 100% behind, behind you and with you in everything you're doing in this. But but what about the transition for him? He's your support person, but he also had had to make this transition. So is it something he had to be sold on and supporting you in this role? Was it something that he had to be convinced or was he the guy who said, man, go for this, go for this? You know, uh, how, how did that work for him? And then, then it, you know what? I want to know about your family too and how the prospect of, you know, becoming lead pastor, how that worked for them. Yeah. So as far as Scott goes, I think he, Scott's kind of my balance. I tend to be more of the jumping in. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do this. Um, he's, he's the brain part of this. He, he says, you know, let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's process this. Um, and so there was a, there was a stepping process into it as far as, um, you know, we committed for a short period of time that we would um, step in first as kind of interim the church knew us we were um i knew that the lord was was doing this and i think scott knew it too but i think he needed to see how it translated into our lives mm -hmm. and so but he was also willing to step out and say okay you know what let's let's do this and see what the lord wants to do in it yeah so what i hear is that no matter what your roles are you two are a team and Absolutely. you're gonna make this thing happen so well, let's pause for just a moment to talk about the, the the obvious thing that takes place among evangelical churches today, and that's this debate that occurs regarding women in ministry. And uh, for our listeners, or those of you who are not aware, there's a there's a segment of evangelicalism that has what is called a, a complementarian view about women in ministry, in that. Uh, they believe that women can serve in complementary roles to men in ministry, but not in leadership roles and certainly not in teaching over men. Um, I, I have many good friends who are complementarian, 
have a wonderful relationship with them. That can be men and women of that view. That's their interpretation of the word. You know, we know we have that difference. Uh, we sort of agree to disagree about that. Uh, we in Open Bible and that group that's called egalitarian in that we don't interpret the word as saying there are any restrictions, there are any limitations on what women can be called and enabled and empowered to do in ministry. We just simply say there's nothing, there's no role we can think of that we say, well, that's everything, everyone but a woman. So that's our view in terms of, you know, the whole uh, biblical alignment issue and all of this. However, there is this reality besides what we say we believe, and that's what culture, that's what culture says. Culture has its norms and its traditions, and, you know, a woman lead pastor is not the norm, at least in the United States, and particularly in some communities. So let's let's take a look at this. Talk to us a little bit about how you navigate that part of it. You know, first of all, how did the church respond to having a female lead pastor? Because they already knew you, obviously. Uh, you'd been a peer for many people there. How how yeah. did that how did that work for them? And then what about the community? Okay. So for our church, I was completely blessed because there was a just a unanimous vote. There was no question Beautiful. in their mind um, as to whether or not I should step into this role. As far as Scott and I go, I think I think when you're talking about people who believe that or or you know believe that women shouldn't be pastors in the lead pastor role. I think there's a under, uh, or a misunderstanding there a little bit about what that means in okay. the in terms of in terms of a husband and wife even um, because I'm not putting myself above my husband by mm -hmm. being the pastor of the church. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he is the head of my household and and he is my confidant like we we discuss things we we lead together in many instances in in most ways in the church um and so i think that that sometimes is that there is a a seemed threat among the role of a man when you say a woman's going to be the pastor and and what i believe that the lord has shown me was is that that i'm not threatening to you know, I can be all that God's called me to be, and Scott can be all that God, God's called him to be. That's good. And and that doesn't mean that I'm above him. Um, we, like I said, we lead together, and our church has seen that. They have seen us lead together, and that's probably why, like, they understand how it works. We even had an opportunity to preach a sermon one time on authority and what that looks like in the household and in the body of Christ, and and. It was just a, just a beautiful thing to stand up there together and say, we're going after what the Lord wants to do. And, and we're not, I'm not threatening to him and he's not, you know, we're not going, it's not one or the other. God has a call sure. for both of us. And so mm -hmm. we're running with that. And as far as the community goes, the community they're sometimes they're a little surprised, you know, when they say, Hey, you know, this is when Scott, you know, will say, this is my wife, she's the pastor, or when someone else will say that's my pastor. Um, but it's very been very pleasant. They've they've been presently pleasantly surprised. And so um, they're like, Oh, really? Well, I'll have to come check out. So there's a curiosity there for what that would look like um, mm -hmm. in the church for the community. 
Well, I know from meeting both of you together and spending that time, you know, Scott, Scott is obviously very secure in who he is. Yeah. So he's not threatened by this. He doesn't right. see anything undermining him anyway in, in his maleness, so to speak, and his role and leadership in the home uh, also. And then, as you say, teaming together. So that's a tremendous asset you have going into that, both of you <laughs> being so together and tight in this. But, you know, you mentioned that about the community, a little bit surprised maybe at first. Well, what 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 about this? Because this has to happen to you. You know, when people first meet you and your husband, I'm guessing they often automatically assume he is the lead pastor. How do you guys finesse those occasions? You know, how how do you how do you work through that? And <laughs> and what about and what about your family also in that? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my my parents also attend the church and when we when I stepped into this role, or right before I did, I went and talked to my my parents and I said, hey, you know, we're praying about this. What do you think about it? And at the time, honestly, they just said, we're not going to tell you what we think about it because we want you to do what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of grew up not, not necessarily thinking that women shouldn't be pastors, but I also didn't grow up thinking that they should. I kind of was just, I don't really know, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I also kind of had to go through that process of processing what or thinking about what what that's supposed to look like. And and so when I did accept the position and I did step into that role, I went back to my parents and I sat down and talked with them and and I said, so this is where we're at. And, and how do you feel about that? Because then, you know, the answer was already done. And, and, and I remember they told me, they said, you know, Leanna, um, we've never believed necessarily that women should be pastors, like lead pastors in the church, but we can't deny what God is doing right now. <laughs> That's beautiful. And so we're going to stay and we're going to see what God does. And they have also been my biggest supporters. Uh, as far as my children go, I have four boys. And um, my my oldest son, when I told him I was stepping into lead pastor role, he goes, well, mom, that just kind of makes sense. He said, you know, when I, when I was a child, you were head of the children's ministry. And when I was a youth, you were head mm-hmm. of the youth ministry. So now that I'm an adult, it just makes sense that you no would be the deal. lead pastor. <laughs> So a lot of support, a lot of support from, from my family. Yeah. And how, and how about the social situations when you're out? Oh yeah. How, how do you and Scott finesse that when, you know, they start with the assumption that he's the, he's the lead pastor. Well, we, we laugh about it a lot actually, <laughs> um, because, because people do assume, I mean, as you said, that's the culture. Like it's not, it's not the norm for the, uh-huh. for the woman to be the pastor. And so we've been in quite a few different situations where uh, they will go to him. Uh, I know I was, a, I was a guest speaker at a, at a local church here and, and, and went to the church and, and I was also helping with the worship team that morning. And uh, the children's pastor came up to my husband who was sitting there watching the worship practice. And she said, Hey, you know, I, I, uh, I guess we're going to be hearing from you here in a few minutes. And he, and he looked at her and he said, well, no, actually, actually that's my wife. (laughs) And she went, Oh, Oh, okay. So we come across that quite often and, and we laugh about it. I mean, it, it is, it is a cultural thing. It's, it's, it's not the norm, um, but it's fun and exciting to kind of be in that place. But it also does cause us to need to be, sure of who we are and sure mm. of the calling that God has wow. on our lives. So powerful. 
and not take those things as rejection of the call because those people aren't the people that called us and it's new to them. And so we submit to the Lord and to his plans and his way. And we, we can't get caught up in bitterness or frustration or whatever when, when they don't see that or they haven't experienced it. Mm. You know, we could camp out right there for a long while about don't don't uh, allow misassumptions to be interpreted as rejection. I mean, that that's that's a powerful thing. And the fact that you can laugh about it. What a what a what a wonderful way to be able to greet those kinds of things and disarm people uh, in yeah. the process of it. So you had you were pretty well prepped, uh, you know, to to walk into this role. It's pretty obvious you, you'd taken the tour, like I said, of all the ministry positions. You saw the pastorate from many, many different directions. And and then as, as the Lord began downloading these things for you, and and as you walked in the door, and as you became lead pastor, obviously, it's one thing to serve everywhere else, everywhere else but it's another thing to become the lead pastor. Yeah. What, what surprised you? Did anything surprise you about serving as a lead pastor? And, and then I'd also ask, what's been most enjoyable or fulfilling to you? I think the one one of the things that has surprised me is the way that people view pastors as kind of untouchable. Like hmm. I can't uh, I can't talk to you or or I, I don't I don't want to try and be close to you or be your friend like there is there is a a you put you put pastors on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and and many people do it and and until you've been kind of stepped into that place um even some of my own friends i i had to deal with like i'm still the same person you can still be my friend even though i'm a pastor and and they would go oh yeah 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 that makes sense um but that was probably the thing that surprised me the most I was overwhelmed with support from the leadership team that I had served with for so many years. And so when I stepped into the lead role, I was so blessed at how easy that transition was because we are just a team and we do things together and we, um, you know, yes, I'm the pastor, but, but, um, but I just had that, that overwhelming support. So that was a huge blessing to me. You know, that's uh, you, you've just described one of the reasons why leadership can be lonely is the, is the sense of the part of people you're leading that they you're not approachable, that right. because you are who you are now, uh, that there there's some perceived distance there. So uh, it's pretty obvious to me that Leona, Leona is not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> No. And it's funny because just as we were talking about, you know, kind of disarming people by the fact that I'm um, a female pastor, you can disarm people by just wanting to just walking up to them and, and being friendly Being real because they, they expect you to be up on a pedestal. And when you're just real, um, you're more relatable and you, you, you know, you just walk up to them and say, hi, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a country girl and I, I say funny things and, you know, do funny things and stuff. And they're like, wow, you know, that, that kind of disarms them too. But it also, when you are real with people and you establish yourself as just, I'm just me, I'm just me. Like the Lord has called me to, to read the word and to give the word and, and to, and to present it in a message. But when I can just be me and I can laugh with you and I can talk with you, um, all of a sudden, 
the the dynamic changes like the sure. they they're more open to hear what you have to say and 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 will ex will like want to be part of the team mm-hmm. because you're a real person yeah so you're obviously comfortable in your own skin you're determined to not change that or allow anyone else to change that for you so so what would you say has been the most enjoyable and fulfilling i i think the most fulfilling thing is is being a pastor is so humbling like like that's mm. really uh, that's not my most enjoyable thing about it being humbled mm-hmm. all the time constantly mm. but to see god use me in ways that i never yes. dreamed and imagined like the words that come out of my mouth sometimes are so much the lord and then and the moments when i feel the weakest and and like i i'm just not doing things right or whatever. And those are the Sundays that people come up to me and they say, wow, your message just hit home. It just, it's just so awesome. And thank you so much for sharing it. And I was like, that all glory to the Lord. Like yes. he, <laughs> he's <laughs> the one doing this. How sweet and so is to that? Know, yeah. To know that he's using me and he's fully aware of our flaws. He's fully aware of our weaknesses and he uses us anyway, when we're just obedient to step out. And that's probably the, the most exciting, the most enjoyable thing about being a pastor is because it's not something I ever thought I would ever do before. I I never, like I said earlier, I never aspired to be a lead pastor. So to be able to be used by him, that's just all I want in life. What a great testimony, Leanna. That's beautiful. I want to switch back to Scott for a moment here. Okay. You know, you 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 two are a team. You're also a husband and wife, and the ministry can be very demanding. Um, and it's not like you're grudgingly giving, but it's just it's it's right there to accept all that you have to give yeah. to it. So, what do you and Scott do to nurture your relationship? You know, apart from what you do together at church, I'm not talking right. about that. How do you guys take care of you guys? Well, that's something that we have to constantly keep before us. Uh, Scott works a full-time job uh, during the week, Monday through Friday. And uh, it's it's definitely something we have to keep before us. We did decide that when, um, so we have a date night every week. And we extend that date night. So it's Friday night, but then we extend it till noon on Saturday because at the end of a Friday, you know, when you hit Friday, you're tired. Yeah, you're spent. So we we will go to dinner or something, but then Saturday morning we'll spend some time. That's when we can actually have conversations and and talk. But it it is a struggle because you want to be all in. And sometimes you have, you, you, well, not sometimes, you always have to protect your marriage you and, and your family and That's care right. for that and keep that in the forefront of your mind. So it's something that we are constantly, that we're constantly having to reevaluate and just keep it before us. We try and go away a few times a year, just the two of us overnight for a couple of nights or, or someplace. And um, just because we, we have to protect that. Yeah. So I hear you saying is that uh, Saturday mornings, you can be coherent. Yes, yes, because <laughs> being together is not connecting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we can sit in the same room and and not connect. <laughs> You're the same row and unconscious. Yes, That's you're together. Right. But <laughs> That's right. Well, so I and I want to also step back and visit just a little bit more about you. And you just said you were graciously embraced 
you know, by the church. And you've served in all these capacities in church leadership, but not as the lead pastor. Uh, now the people that you are working with as peers, you know, you're still you're still with them, as you said. It's not like you're on this pedestal, but you're you're the leader now, and you're leading those people. Um, how challenging has it been for you to make that transition, where you know you have to decide how much direction you now need to give other people? Uh, you know. It, How's that work for? How difficult is it for? Was it for you to transition from um, being one of the guys, so to speak, you know, right. to now being their leader and giving direction? How'd that work for you? Well, I think the the most important thing with that is to keep the vision that the Lord has given us in the forefront. So we have leadership meetings with our whole leadership team about every six weeks, but then between those meetings, we also Um, I decided right off the bat that I wanted to have meetings with each of my leaders. So Scott and I meet with the couples that are on our leadership team in between times to kind of just keep that vision fresh, keep it in, you know, in line. And so that there isn't a feeling of I'm the boss and you have to do what I say, but it's more of a, we're in this together. We're leading, you know? Um, So even though God has given me the vision and I give the direction and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's important for me that the, um, I mean, they're my friends. That's part of it because we've been in ministry Mm -hmm. together for a while. It's the same leadership team. I think we've only added one couple onto our leadership team since I became a pastor. So, you know, they, they know me and I, and I think that's important is that, um, as the leader, I am known by my people, like by the people that are on my team and um, it, it has been a little bit of a struggle because I'm used to being, like you said, like, you know, used to them, you know, us being peers and, and we all have our peace mm-hmm. to now me overseeing it and saying, hey, you know, look at things this way. And so by keeping a relationship on like a, on a connection basis, like, you know, you're my family, you're my friends, um, it actually helps that to um, not feel like I'm you know, changing, wanting to change everything or, or, or even, even though I propose changes or, or different directions from time to time, and um, the relationship that I have with my leaders is important, just as the people that they lead, they need to have relationship with them too. Mm-hmm. Relationship before roles. Is yeah. what I hear you saying, and then that yeah. assists you, whatever the role is. So Leanna, we all have influences in our lives the people we've learned from. Are there some mentors in your life have been meaningful to you and what have you learned from them? So it's interesting to think of mentors because usually you think of mentors as somebody who has gone before you and done what you're doing. And I, I don't really know other female. <laughs> not too many mentors. of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As we said before, it's not really something that there's a lot of right now. So what I was thinking about when I think of mentors is thinking about, I have, I have women in my life. I have people in my life who, um, so I have a coach, um, Paula Sutherland, who, who walks through life and helps me to be the woman of God that I am called to be and be all that I'm called to be in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have pastors who, who I um, allow to speak into my life. And, and I think I have probably mentor moments with pastors because um, I don't have like 
a like one particular pastor that I meet with on a regular basis other than Paula. Um, but I do have pastors that I look up to, that I look to, that I can connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, that goes even all even in the Pacific region. I know quite a few of the pastors here. And um, even Chris Hansler, our regional director, um, it is available to, if I need, you know, to, sure. to talk things through or whatever. Uh, huge, huge help to me. And, and the things that I've learned, uh, when I think about the things that I've learned is that it's good to be me, like to, like God has appointed me to this position. He's given me this place. Um, as I said earlier, all of the things that make me up, all my weaknesses and my strengths. And he, one thing that was spoken over me multiple times when I stepped into this from the, um, district director to, you know, regional director is that it it is for such a time as this, you have been appointed to this place. Amen. And so, and so whatever God sees in me, whatever he knows is inside me, um, is what this place needs right now, because that's where he's put me. Absolutely. And so I think that's probably the most, the most um, exciting thing and scary thing at the same time mm-hmm. that I have learned from the mentors in my life is that God um, sees all of me and and he said, okay, this is, this is what this time in history needs. And this is what this place, the bridge needs right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there are women listening today who are, uh, who are keenly listening to you. And I'm not telling anything you don't know. There are many women who feel that God has done something, is doing something in them. And they are, they look for outlets, you know, for ministry. Some of them, unlike you at the beginning of this journey, do aspire to certain levels of leadership and at, at the at the get-go, you know. And in some cases are frustrated. You know, they 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 don't they don't see doors opening, they see doors closed, and they they're really struggling with that. And then there are other women who are just like you saying, I don't know. I just want to be where God wants me to be. You know, Um, I'm not sure where to go next, though. What do I do next? Would you just talk to them for a moment? What what advice do you want to give, you know, a woman who feels she may have a call in her life, maybe even to lead a church or, you know, some other ministry? What would you like to share with her today? What words of encouragement and counsel would you offer? There is so much I would like to share with people who are in that place, with women who are feeling that call. Uh, the first thing I would say is be a lifelong learner. Uh, if, you're, if you're not in that place yet, if you're not in that position yet, and even after you get there, make sure that you're always digging in and trying to find out more about how you can do your ministry well. Even if you're not in that ministry yet, like start letting God speak to you about those things. But I would speak to the person who's frustrated and saying, if God has got, if God has given you a call on your life, if you know that he's never late. And, and so honor goes far. It goes far as we honor the Lord and 
all my goal is in life is to honor the Lord. I just want to honor him. I want to honor him. I want to make a big deal out of him. I want to build his kingdom. I don't want to build my kingdom. So I would say to those women, look, uh, for one thing, ask God to, um, give you patience. <laughs> That's something you never want to pray for, <laughs> but God's going to open doors. He's going to do it. It's yeah. not about what doors we break down. It's about what doors God opens. So in the place that you are, if you honor God and, and honor the leaders above you, even if they don't agree with you, God's going to honor that, that obedience to honor him, that obedience to honor those ahead of you. Um, the other thing that I would say is, um, Bitterness and resentment is a choice that we make to keep those things. And so if those things, if frustration is weighing on you, take that to the Lord, let him deal with it. Don't, don't allow it to turn to bitterness because that will affect your ministry in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And, and we want to be the people that God wants us to be. Uh, the ministry that he has for you, he still has that for you. And because he's the one that's going to appoint you. It's not the person who is saying, no, you can't be a pastor because you're a woman. That's not the person that gave you the call. God did. So follow after him. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then these things will be added. So if we aren't seeking the Lord because we're focused on our frustration or things like that, I mean, I had, I had times where I wanted to see things happen and I was frustrated and not necessarily to be a pastor, but, but just frustration in general. And, um, and if I would stay in those places of bitterness, I would found, I would find myself stalled. I would just be stuck in that place of bitterness. But if I sought the Lord, if I brought it to him and allowed him to do things, then we have peace that comes from being in his presence and he opens doors when, when we're, when we're not expecting it at all. Wow. That is so rich. You are a pastor. I, I know that <laughs> that's, that's excellent preaching. Thank you so much. And, you, know, you know, we call this podcast better roads because we like to learn from our guests about some of the roads they've chosen that you know, they look back, Somewhere along in their life, you can say, you know, th that road or those roads, they were so instrumental in, you know, becoming what God wanted for me. I didn't even realize it perhaps at the time, but I, I look back now and say, yes, I'm so thankful I took that road. Do you have some better roads like that, that you could share with us? I do. Um, when I when I was a kid, I was always a person who, I was always a child who wanted to do the right thing. And it was kind of um, annoying to my siblings, but <laughs> but I, I I was the one who was and I and I didn't fully even understand where that was coming from, and there came a time when I was dating my husband, in which um, I my parents just from some different things that 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 had happened, um, they weren't quite uh, sure about this this guy that I was dating, mm -hmm. and and so there was a time at which I just said, you know. I can't, I can't marry this person unless my parents approve. I can't walk down the aisle. And, and so I don't see this relationship going anywhere. And, and this was after three years of dating and it, it was a long story, but, but basically I came to a place where I was willing to, I had to, I came to this place where I told Scott, I said, 
unless my parents are at the end of the aisle or my mom is at the end of the aisle and my dad is, you know, walking me down the aisle and they approve, um, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do this. And so I broke up with him and I said, Mm. until God changes my parents' heart, I can't do this. And what I, and so I spent six weeks in prayer. I, I didn't talk to Scott that time. I didn't do anything. And when I saw God move was one day Scott called and wanted to talk to my parents. And so he, they got together. I was not invited to the meeting <laughs> and they, and he just shared like his heart for what, you know, what, what he wanted and, and, and what he was looking for, whatever. I don't even know what was said in the meeting. All I know was that because I decided to honor my parents in that moment, and I was 20 years old, I was 20 years old. And because I decided to honor my parents in that moment, um, and I know that was the Lord, what the next thing that I knew was my parents saying, oh, when you and Scott get married, when you and Scott get married. And so that's a, that's a very specific, like, that's a very specific answer to prayer because I, at that moment, I gave my future to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I'm invested in this relationship, but something's not right. And I need you to fix it. And, and I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to, and I believe that you put my parents over me for a reason and, and so I'm going to honor, I'm going to honor them and how they feel about things and, and watch and, and either I need you to change their heart or I need you to change mine. Mm. And I think that that started something in my life that was probably already there, but maybe not. <laughs> but when you're, when you're trusting your whole future to the Lord and he, he takes care of you. And so again, like to, to to give the Lord my future and say, Lord, if you want me to step into this role as a pastor, if you want me to do this, I need, I need you to just do it. And so that trust, and I think that that has kind of set the foundation of honor in my life, the importance of honor in my life, because I see when we honor God and when we honor the people that God has put over us, God is faithful. He is so faithful. He does things that we never thought, never thought would could happen. Mm -hmm. And that's basically, you know, I guess where, how I got where I am, because I'm like, Lord, I never thought this would happen. Here I am. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, that one word, honor, has been interwoven throughout our conversation today. And it's clear that God has blessed you. There is blessing and honor. And it has been a joy talking with you today, Leanna. Thank you. It's been great to share. Well, thanks for sharing your life with us. And I want to thank you, our listeners, also for spending time with Better Roads. And I invite you to join us in our next edition. Have a great day. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.